At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Thank you, Jonathan. I also thank you for the leadership and organization with the uh, Warming Center. That is just a great outreach in a way that we can, as a church, team together for a very good purpose. Well, he already introduced my name. Uh, in case you didn't catch it, it's in my notes, so I'll say it again. I'm Eric Schindler. I'm the kids' pastor uh, here at the Royal Oak Campus, and I love it. I love working with the young children and getting to know the families over the past uh, two-plus years. If you're attending for the first time, uh, please come again. Our campus pastor, John Morales, uh, will be back, and I'm confident you'll be encouraged by his teaching. Next week, he'll be kicking off the series titled, Learning to Love Again, a series taught from 1 John. Let's join our hearts together in prayer as we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that we can come together in your name. Lord, we are here because of you. We're here to worship you, to sing holy, 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 to be encouraged by other Christians, and to be exposed to the teaching of your word. Lord, I pray that for the next couple minutes that you would just help us center our hearts on what can be learned and applied. Lord, I just pray that your blessing would be upon this time. In Christ's name, amen. Well, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We will be reading the whole chapter, uh, but did you, do you ever think, you think we'll forget the year 2020 ever? I know I'm 45 years old and I've never had a year like this before. Wow, what a, a year. I don't even know the correct adjective to put in front of the word year. Um, it's, just, it's just been crazy. The best comparison that I can fathom for the year 2020 is the emotions that you would experience while on a roller coaster. A phrase that I, I keep on hearing by people. Boy, this year has been such a roller coaster. So just with that in mind, track with me for a moment. The excitement of arriving at a big amusement park, just like arriving at the start of a new year, you are excited and you are ready to go. You map out the park head to the first roller coaster, and then you do what? You wait in line. You watch and listen to everything that's going on around you. Eventually, you get to the ride and you take your seat. You put on your seatbelt because that's going to save your life. Then the ride starts. Immediately, you start in an upward direction. And an uncertain nervousness starts to settle in. At the peak of the ride, you're thinking, is this fun or is this miserable? The coaster starts to fall at a rapid speed. Your stomach shifts to your mouth. And you hear a combination of screaming and the opposite Laughter all over the place. Should I put my hands up in the air 
Or should I hold on as tight as possible? I don't know. As the ride continues, it briefly slows down just fast enough to catch your breath. But this doesn't last long. Is the ride going to end soon? I like the ride, but I don't like the ride. I like the brake, but I don't like it. Soon you are jerked into another direction, filled with hills, corkscrews, rapid direction changes. You feel like you are all over the place. Then the ride comes to a screeching halt. What just happened? You get unbuckled. You're still alive. You're a little dizzy, weak-legged. You feel like Bambi when Thumper says, kind of wobbly, aren't you? You exit with a family member or a friend. You wipe away a teardrop, have a couple laughs, but walk to another ride only to experience the same set of emotions all over again. Do you track with me on any of these emotions? Little? You could say yes, maybe. Well, the emotions of the roller coaster have lasted between nine and ten months. The year 2020, what else can we say, right? Well, in five days, we are starting a new year. Probably the number one resolution will be recovering from 2020. However, unlike the changes all around us, Scripture remains the same. Let's look at what we can learn from God's Word today. So join with me as I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I'll be reading the whole chapter. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains Come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, so that no one repays, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under my oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all of the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God's word. There's so much to talk about in this chapter, but we're just going to focus on verses 14 through 15. A little bit of the background of this passage. I I like history, so that always uh, strikes my interest. Um, This letter is written to a, a group of people living in Thessalonica. It is a capital of the Roman province in Macedonia. It has a population of a little over 100,000 people. It's a prosperous city. There happens to be a lot of trade and philosophy there. Three people, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they go and they preach for a couple weekends in the Thessalonican synagogues. And they were really encouraged because a lot of Jews and Gentiles were converted. Time passed. A couple months later, Paul was concerned about these new believers. So he sends Timothy to check on them. It was reported back that a couple church members had died. So questions came up about what happens to deceased Christians. Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians referencing the second coming of Jesus Christ. Christ in every chapter, answering their questions to life after death. You might have noticed that at the beginning of this chapter. So with this background in mind, the seriousness of life and death, we will look to answer the question, what's the will of God for me today? The first point, which should be on the screen, is this. Know the family well enough to be helpful. Coming from verse 14, let's look at that verse again. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. At the beginning of the verse, we urge you, brothers. Paul refers to this group of believers as his family. As in a home setting, there's going to be times when admonishment, encouragement, help, and patience are either going to be needed or practiced. And this is the same for this church family right here. In the first verse, Paul addresses four points. The first one, admonish the idle. Admonish means to warn or reprimand those that were idle or avoiding work. Some in the church were not active. We don't really know the specific details, but Paul was calling them out. And then secondly, encourage the faint-hearted. There were two different issues the church was working through. Some were experiencing persecution, 
uh, which is mentioned in chapter 3, while others were working through these unexpected deaths. Both of these people were present in the church and trying to encourage, uh, Paul's trying to encourage them uh, to reach out and be helpful. And then the third point of the verse is helping the weak. Paul was saying, hey, there are some people in the church that are struggling. They need help. They need someone to reach out and give them a hand. Weakness can take on many different appearances. It might be a weak conscience. It might be some that are physically weak. Some that are emotionally weak. Some that are weak in their faith. But regardless, we're to um, help them. And then at the end of verse 14, be patient. Be patient with the idle. Be patient with the faint-hearted. And be patient with the weak. For me, I see all these um, being played out through my years of coaching high school boys soccer. Uh, while coaching, you'd spend around 15 to 18 hours a week with the players through practices, games, road trips, and tournaments. You get to know them rather well over the period of three months. And as a coach, you're trying to get the most out of every single player. But each player is wired differently. There are some that have all kinds of talent. I mean, they are oozing with talent. And then their downfall is that they're just lazy. There's some that are hard workers. They just have no coordination. There's some that are good individual players, but they don't have the team concept. And then there's some that have game intelligence, but they get irritated with those that don't understand the game plan. The list goes on. The challenge for the coach, or the challenge for me was, is to somehow take these 11 to 18 guys, unite them, motivate them, and then aim for a successful season. You can always count on there being one or two times during the season when a serious pep talk is needed. A couple of the guys will become idle. They've been coasting, not hustling, playing with no sense of urgency. They've lost sight of the big picture. During halftime, a motivational speech takes place asking each player, are you doing everything you can do to help this team? Are you giving your all? No regrets. I've seen numerous seasons turn around after serious halftime talk. And it's been great to see it unfold. How the team starts to play the game with, with heart. Well, this church in Thessalonica have members that have become idle. And Paul's trying to motivate them to get engaged in the big picture, into the big game to join in an opportunity to minister and help the church as it is important for building the kingdom of God. Well, how about today? What does it look like today to admonish the idol in our church? Again, the, the word admonish means to warn, to reprimand those that are not active in the church. Well, first of all, we should evaluate, right? We should ask ourselves 
am I the one that needs to be admonished or warned? And then once that question is answered, how do I admonish others or warn them? Let's say that I have a class. I'm, I'm going to go to a class and I'm in, uh, the title of the class is Home Building 101. Because my goal is to build homes. So in the class, I'm taught every aspect of house building. Laying foundation, framing, the electrical work, the plumbing, the roofing, the drywall, and on and on and on. I learned all this information about building a home, and then it happens. I earned my certification in house building. Yes. I don't know if it really works this way, but work with me on it. What would the next step be? Option one, take more classes on house building. Option two, nothing, because I'm close enough to house building. Or option three, actually start building homes. For many in the church, you've received enough teaching from God's word, and now it's time to engage in the mission that Christ died for, supporting in the building of his kingdom. God has blessed people in this church with, with talents, abilities, and wisdom that can be actively used. Praise the Lord that many of you are actively involved. Some are noticed, some are not noticed. Some are within the walls of the church, and some are outside the walls of the church. But what does the evidence say about your activity level? Many in the church, however, need to prayerfully consider, how can I move from the idle position to the active position. You know, a car can idle. It can, it can make a lot of noise when you rev the engine. However, vehicles are not bought for the purpose of just revving the engine. They are bought to go somewhere, to shift from park to, to drive, and to actually get to a destination. So maybe some of you are actively involved and praise the Lord for that. You're part of the mission of building God's kingdom. But then you might ask, well, how do I admonish someone? Or won't they get mad at me if I, uh, if I you know, confront them on something? Um, a, a simple, I guess, step that I've learned that is helpful is in the area of discipleship. You know, deposits being made first. Like a bank account, deposits, maybe multiple deposits over a period of time should be put in first. Uh, deposits of love, care, time, and practiced Bible principles. And then, when you have an opportunity for a withdrawal, giving caution or correction concerning active application of Bible principles. Examples that you might ask a person is, hey, do you know what the Bible says about honest business dealings? Or do you know what the Bible says about marriage? Or what the Bible says about immorality? Or what the Bible says about being a good steward? 
uh, uh, or the Good Samaritan. You know what the Bible says? Carefully admonishing the idol was important for the church in Thessalonica and for our church here today. Moving from admonishing the idol, we go to the next part of the verse. The faint-hearted need to be encouraged. Paul was informed that the church was not encouraging some that were experiencing persecution. And others had, moved, had loved ones that passed away. Both are faint-hearted. Meaning they lack courage. Be- they became timid. They've lost the confidence that they once had. They need some wins in their life. They need encouragement. They need to keep on keeping on. As this church needed to encourage the faint-hearted, maybe we need to be reminded of that concept as well for our church. There are people in our church who need someone to walk through a difficult season, to be an ongoing source of encouragement. This does not need another program added to the church calendar. Rather, it is simply ordinary, spirit-moved individuals being purposeful. Being purposeful. Such as the parable of the Good Samaritan. We should pray for opportunities to see the faint-hearted and then minister to them. It may take time, energy, emotion, but it's what we're called to do as a church. We're family. So encourage the faint-hearted. Similar to encouraging the faint-hearted, the next verse mentions help the weak. In today's church setting, the weak people might be ones that have lost a job. They have a serious illness. They have physical problems, financial problems, relationship problems, or maybe the challenges of just being elderly, along with so many more. I've experienced one of these areas, and it has been so encouraging to have caring believers provide support. Paul encouraged this church to help the weak, help them to do what they can't do on their own, to be the hands and feet of the church family. So as you reflect on last year, were you able to help some people in this category? Someday, uh, you might be in this category. And Lord willing, people will rally around you and, and, and support you. Thankfully, our church helps house the homeless, as we noted on the screen. Providing food for many in need and supporting many from within the church and outside the church. However, there's always room to do more. We just need the help of church family to join hands in helping meet the needs of this church and the community. One of the core values of Woodside is that we are family. So let's continue to be a family that rallies together, encouraging those in need. At the end of the verse, Paul desires for the church to be patient with everyone. Patience being one of the fruits of the Spirit. Because of our human sinful nature, we make mistakes. We don't do everything perfectly. With this understanding, we need to be patient with people. Be patient with the church. Be patient with the church leadership. Be patient with the people within the church. 
You know, this season has been very difficult. Very difficult to practice patience uh, with all the changing of guidelines because of COVID. However, it's no excuse. Patience is a mark of being a Christian. So again, be patient with the idle. Be patient with the faint-hearted. And be patient with the weak. Moving to verse 15, the second point of the outline. Seek to do good. Verse 15. I'll read it, that verse again. It says, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Why do you think Paul was saying, don't repay evil for evil? Well, obviously, there must be some within this church that were repaying evil for evil or thinking about retaliation. The scripture makes it very clear that as a follower of Christ, we are not to repay evil for evil. However, the verse goes on to say, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Two words stand out there. Always and everyone. Can we repay evil for evil once in a while? Retaliate once in a while? Well, according to this passage, no. As followers of Christ, we are to strive to be good to everyone. There's one more verse that stands out, though, in the verse, and that's the word seek. Uh, reading the verse again, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. The word seek is to look for something. Um, I'm the kids pastor, so, you know, I, I, I kind of have an idea of what kids like. A game that kids like is the game hide and seek. Very simple rules. You go hide, I'll count to 10 or 100, and then I will seek for you. I like games that have simple instructions. However, the game doesn't work very well if some go and hide and then the seeker decides to do something else. The game needs someone to do the seeking. Likewise, the church needs its family to actively seeking to do good to one another. Just imagine our church family of, let's say, a thousand. If we are all actively seeking to help 1,000. That's a pretty amazing thought, isn't it? If each of us was seeking to help one person or one family. Wow. Well, let's move on to the last three verses, verses 16 to 18 and the third point. Fill your life with spiritual practices. Reading these three verses um, to, again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul follows up these verses with some spiritual practices that he wanted to remind this church, these Thessalonians, and he also reminds us years later. Number one, to rejoice always. This idea is connected to our firm hope as a Christian. 
The opposite of that would be a complainer, something that we are to avoid. Secondly is to pray without ceasing. A continual fellowship with God. A consciousness of his presence throughout the day. And then thirdly, give thanks in all circumstances. Christians should be known by their heart of thankfulness. So again, rejoice, pray, and be thankful. And the end of the verse says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We know what's God's desire for us. It's, it's very clear. He wants us to rejoice always because of our firm hope in him. He wants us to pray and to have continual fellowship with him. He wants us to give thanks because God knows and cares about the life that we are living. So we can do this. This is something that we can do as family members in this church. In conclusion, why? Why should we practice all these different points brought out in these five verses? Why should we admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, don't repay evil, uh, seek to do good, rejoice always, pray and give thanks? Why? What benefit is that for me? Well, earlier in that same chapter, I just want to go back to verses 2 and 3. The verses read, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying there's peace and security, and then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Church, the Lord is coming again. Amen? If you are a practicing Christ follower, yes, that is amen. If you're not, there's going to be regret that you cannot escape. Paul wanted this, this church to be mindful of the day of the Lord. This day will be a celebration for the believer but a day of unescapable destruction for the unbeliever. For this reason, the church needs to play with heart. Leave it all on the field. Do our best. No regrets. Just a final thought. What would our life be like if the opposite of these nine instructions were practiced? Okay, just, just think about this. What if the idol... We're not challenged. Eh. What if the faint-hearted were not encouraged? What if the weak were not helped? What if the idea of patience was not practiced? What if evil was repaid for evil? What if we did not seek to do good? What if we did not rejoice? What if we did not pray? What if we didn't we just weren't thankful for anything. Would the church grow under these circumstances? Would the kingdom of God be expanded? What would church be like? Would you even be here today? Boy, that's, those are some thoughts, right? You know, at the beginning, I mentioned that the year 2020 was like a long roller coaster that had its ups 
and downs, emotions all over the place. You know what? The year 2021 is going to, it's going to have its own set of challenges. Um, It's going to be starting soon and it's going to be a ride as well. You know, it might be a smaller roller coaster. It might be a Ferris wheel. Maybe it'll be bumper cars. I don't know. But the year is coming. But no matter what the year brings, we as a church, we can do the will of God. We can do that. So the big idea for today, the will of God is within our reach. We can do this. We are family. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you again for this opportunity to be together as a church family. Lord, to review your word, your will for us. Lord, our church, we've had a, a good year, but also a difficult year. But Lord, through it all, you've walked through this season with us. And Lord, we're learning. For some, we're learning to set our affection more on you. For others, they've maybe learned to help others more. But Lord, we're, we're entering into a new year. And I pray that it would be evidenced in our church family that we are pursuing your will for us, for this group, for this body. Lord, I pray that this upcoming year brings many testimonies of your faithfulness, of your provisions, of encouragement, and Lord, may your kingdom be built. We are here because we believe in you. We believe in the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to live a sinless life, to die for those that are sinners. Lord, that the day of the Lord is something that we can celebrate and not be scared of or discouraged about. Lord, I pray that you'd find us faithful until that day. We love you, Lord. Thank you again for this time that we can worship you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.